Welcome back, or if this is your first time here, then thank you for joining us. This is the Doula's Guide to dot 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 with me, Meg, also known as the Dunkaree Doula. It's the podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and parenting. My aim is to share unbiased information alongside a little bit of friendly chit chat to ensure that you head into parenthood feeling confident and excited for what you've got to come. If you missed the first few episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth and parenthood preparation. And if you love the podcast, you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you via buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. This episode, I'm chatting with Alice, who is also known as the Suffolk Doula, and we're chatting all about nourishing and healing new mums in the postpartum period through the medium of food. Alice is a postnatal doula who also runs Heels on Wheels. It's a delivery service of healing food for those going through all of life's transitions. So, for example, a shift to motherhood, maybe through stopping breastfeeding, after hospital stays or periods of illnesses. And so I just knew that I had to talk to her about this topic. And I'm so glad that I did because this episode is full of so much wisdom and care for anybody who is currently preparing to have a baby, but also for anybody who maybe works with people who have had babies recently or anyone who's got family or friends that they want to take care of. So I really hope that you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording. Let's get into it. Right, so hi Alice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, Before we get into our questions and our topics, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself and say what you do? Yep, so um, my name is Alice and I'm a postnatal doula. Um, and I also have a little business called Heels on Wheels, which is um, delivering healing food packages to people. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about food and how this is such an important part of the fourth trimester. And as we get into that, I just wanted to know what led you into this path, what led you into birth work specifically, so personal doula in, but with this interest in food. Yeah, sure. So um, I studied nutrition and food science at uh, Reading University Um, and I actually ended up doing a PhD there because I've always loved food, always loved cooking, always been interested in food so I made the decision to study when I was 23, moved to Reading and that's where I met my husband and we had our two babies there Um, and because I grew up in Felixstowe I didn't have anybody around, Um, I didn't have any family or any support And I went into pregnancy quite naively, really. I didn't know anything about the birthing system. Um, I had heard about home births, so I knew that um, that was something that I was interested in. Um, But then I, as soon as I went in and had my 20-week scan, I was told that, um, so my first baby was measuring small on the 5th percentile and that kind of started this whole cascade of um interventions and um I had to have regular scans my baby was constantly growing but always small um long story short I was induced at 34 weeks and had a vaginal birth in the hospital and my baby and I spent 12 days in hospital afterwards leaving her in hospital was just one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It wasn't something that I ever imagined that I would ever do when I imagined having my first baby. Getting home eventually and dealing with everything that I had been through 
um, it all just kind of hit me all at once because I was kind of running on some sort of adrenaline or something before that, I think, yeah. sort of not knowing what was going, going to happen. So, yeah, so it all sort of hit me and I suffered with postnatal depression and um, I found everything really hard and I didn't have any support. Um, and that's when I realised that there really isn't any support out there for new mothers um, in our society. We're sort of just left to get on with it. We have a few visits from the midwife and the health visitor. Um, so after I had sort of moved through everything and I was sort of coming out the other side, I started thinking about about all of that and about support and how it's lacking. I had my second baby also, um, and I had him at home. So it was a completely different experience, and that sort of led me down that path of, of looking into, into birth and postpartum. Um, and then I moved back to Felixstowe. Um, and then sort of had more support. Um, and then it was lockdown and everything. And I thought, I felt this calling to do something, some sort of support for new mothers. And um, that's when I looked into it. Um, I actually didn't know about postpartum doulas at the time. And um, once I sort of delved into it, I thought that is exactly what I'm meant to do, support new, new um, parents. So, um, yeah, so I did a, a training course with Unique Postnatal. And when I started supporting new mothers, I realised that, wow, such a huge part is actually um, nourishing them with food. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that was like a light bulb moment for me. I thought, wow, I can actually combine my two passions, food, um, cooking, cooking for others and nurturing new mothers and birthing people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And um, that's actually really similar to, to what happened to me. Not necessarily, I didn't have my first child early, but I had my first child and I was in Leeds and then um, had really bad personal mental health. And then I went on and had my second child again in Leeds and again, really badly suffered. And now we're, we're a lot better now, but where that led me into bed, like, and then that's also led us now to be moving back to Hull so we can be with my family. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so similar (laughs) yeah because I just think that once you do I think you don't realize because you get settled somewhere and you feel so happy but then you bring your children into it and you're still happy and you're so grateful that you have your children but you suddenly realize I don't want to be here by myself anymore I need that support yeah I felt so so isolated I still remember sitting in my living room with my new baby after being in hospital and being told um I was actually told one of the nurses said to me oh I thought we'd be keeping her in a little bit longer because she's still so small and, I, and these little comments just got to me so I, I was sitting there thinking I don't know what I'm doing we're meant to still be in the hospital and yeah. there was just sitting there the four walls you know the, my husband went back to work and just feeling so so isolated yeah that's exactly how I felt especially the second time because so I was pregnant during the lockdown and um, so we was already kind of isolated and then Juniper was born the day that we came out of the very last lockdown so everyone else got back to normality my partner went back to work Every, everyone else was like oh so happy we're back to normal and I was like ah oh, no someone help me please I'm by myself oh. with this baby yeah you must have felt it even more so yeah it was such with a strange time leaving. yeah everyone was so excited and I was like no it's not yeah, exciting come back, come back come please <laughs> trap us back oh, in yeah. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's yeah really I think that strange. was something <laughs> about the lockdown was that husbands were at home, partners were at home yeah. during that time. Yeah, we we I know like it, not now like looking back on it, it was hard, and I know that a lot, a lot, it was really hard for a lot of people. But especially at fairs, we liked it at fairs because we just we kind of felt a little bit like we were on holiday because it was so sunny as well the first one, and we were just in the garden with our like with my eldest all the time, and we were like, this is nice having this time together. And obviously, it got old quick. Like by the time we were in the second and third one, but I know, <laughs> I know, it was and. Um... Yeah, it kind of felt like it was a little cocoon. Yeah. Just a little cocoon being at home. There was no pressure. No one was going to come round and see your house. You yeah. didn't have to tidy. didn't have to get dressed. And actually, that's very similar to postpartum, the way it should yeah. be. Just no pressure in your pyjamas, not tidying your house. 100%. <laughs> that is what it should be like. And that was, yeah, and I was like, no, I want this back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. I can totally understand that. Yeah, and like you say as well, and that's it's really interesting. So that you'd already studied in um, nutrition and stuff. I didn't realize that you'd already done that, and you was it was a joining of the two things. Because when people do become doers, I think that we do realize how important food is, and like you say, nourishing new mums, new parents. Because a lot of people think. I think especially people who don't really know what a doula is, even people in my family and stuff, they're like, oh, it must be lovely going around and, like, cuddling babies all the time and stuff like that. I'm like, that's not what I do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm trying to look after the people who created the babies. I'm not I'm not going to look after the babies. I mean, sometimes I do get to hold babies. That is nice, but... <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah not, it's not for that. Yeah, so many people that I speak to still don't know. It's becoming more popular, the word doula now. But um, still, my family didn't have any idea what a doula was. And when I explain it, people are just like, oh, yeah, that that makes so much sense. That's such a great thing to be doing. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't know about postnatal doula. So when I had my babies, I, I mean, I spent the first 12 days in hospital and I didn't think about myself at all. I was just running around the hospital, a bit like a headless chicken, just delivering my milk up and down and you know it was just a big whirlwind I didn't give myself a second thought yeah yeah I can totally relate to that. I was the same the first time around and I did that like thing that you're not meant to do when I had everyone come in and visiting straight away and I was trying to yeah sort the house out and get myself dressed and do all the things and I think I burnt myself out really quickly and then it wasn't until later on when I had like a quite a strange birth where it was it was on paper positive, but the way I was treated was really disrespectful. And that, but I, I felt like it was still positive from what I'd done because I'd done hypnobirthing and I loved it, and that was what helped me through the negatives. Mm. And so afterwards, I was like, I want to train in this. I want people to be able to advocate for themselves and not have to go through these sorts of things. Um, and so I looked into teaching hypnobirthing, and that was when I found out what a doula was, and it just clicked. And I was like, ah, oh, if I'd have had a doula. <laughs> would have been yeah. so different <laughs> absolutely yeah I with whilst I was going through all of the scans and all of the appointments deep down I knew my inner knowing was telling me that my baby was okay yeah. but nobody else around me was um and obviously the first time I didn't want to risk anything yeah. so I went along with it but if I had just had that one person that had said hey have you you know really really questioned this and I had been but only within yeah not really expressing I didn't have the confidence to say well hang on a minute but she's growing just always 
on the fifth centile. She hasn't, you know, her size hasn't reduced. But yeah, there was a lot to go through, a lot to process. And that's when I questioned, ev it actually started me off questioning everything. Because if that sort of establishment that I had trusted had let me down, what other ones, what other institutions have let me down? And then that sort of like has changed my whole life. Yeah, a hundred, me too. <laughs> me too, it's led me on this big long path where like, even now, things just keep constantly exploding or imploding or like different things. And I keep having like, just so much about our life has changed and my life specifically and the things that I believe and the things that I have trust in and the things that I want to do with my children. Just, mm -hmm. I could not have imagined any of it before <laughs> before going through that. No way, no way. I didn't have a clue so it was really it just everything was shaken up for me so I'm really grateful actually yeah. for that but I can't go back and change my experiences but what I can do is go forward and help others yeah um so so yeah so I was quite excited to see that um cooking could be quite a big part of of this journey for me of um, supporting new mothers and birthing people so um, yeah, being able to use my experience and combine it now with support, yeah, so it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's so lovely. I, every time you post food and all the different things that you take into new mums, I'm just like, oh, I wish she was in Leeds when I had my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I get messages from people saying, oh, I wish... I was pregnant so that I could have your food. And I'm like, you don't have to be. <laughs> well, that, that is true. You can just eat this food anytime. You, you can just have some. I don't want to, like, start a baby boom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, like, forcing people. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that kind of, that really nicely leads me on to sort of my next question, which was, why do you think that food is such an important element in the fourth trimester? I think... So many of us probably enter pregnancy a little bit deficient um, and depleted of sort of nutrients. And then obviously pregnancy and birth are quite demanding on the body. Um, and actually I really love in um, traditional Chinese medicine, they talk about the energy, energy flow, mm -hmm. the um, yin and the yang. Um, and so... They say that when you're pregnant, you're you've got a lot of yang energy flowing through you because your yang is like very full and warm. Um, so you're you've got a lot of blood, extra blood, and um, your womb is full. And then when you give birth, you're shifted into very much a yin state, which is like you're empty and cold. Um, and they talk about if you have too much of this yin energy, um, it can introduce. Um, stuff like the all this sort of the the depression um the aches and pains the all the sort of negative more negative side of postpartum um, and I really love the idea of balancing those energies and that's why um we talk a lot about eating warm soft sort of mushy food um so that in that way we're keeping our sort of like um fire stoked from the inside so warming ourselves from the inside um but also it's a really easy way of getting those lost nutrients into the body yeah. so it's not about any cold you know forget the salads and and stuff like that it's um it's really important to have that kind of easy to eat warm nutrient dense 
foods that are easy to eat. And also, it's not just about that sort of replenishment or um, the lo- replenishing the lost nutrients. It's also about the whole um, way of just receiving love in that way and comfort. Um, it's like the whole package, really, food during healing and um, recovery. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And um, it's kind of similar in, in Ayurveda as well. And I think that it's it's kind of probably similar in a lot of cultures apart from ours. In the in Ayurveda, yes. it's the same. It's that you have that fire energy. It's a different, it's different. I, I can't get into it too much now because it'd yeah. be a whole podcast episode. But it's about, yeah, yeah. replacing that, that fire and that warmth. And there's a real focus on balancing out balancing that out with yeah. these really healing nutritious warm meals um so that we can yeah balance up that energy after we've been through this massive journey and I think when you do start looking into how different cultures do hold new mothers and people in the fourth trimester they have a real focus on food it, it's a massive thing and then in our culture it's kind of like you know have your tea and toast and go home and get yourself a mcdonald's and that's about Uh, it (laughs) i know i know and and we were also encouraged to like this whole sort of bounce back mentality Mm. um you know eat some salads this is not a time for dieting (laughs) this is time for healthy fats and for the protein and um yeah just for for really nourishing our body and just throwing any kind of idea of diets out the window but yeah so many cultures around the world there's so many different traditions but like you say we've kind of forgotten ours I think and that's where I like to draw a lot of my influence from is these different traditions that are handed down I don't always think we need scientific evidence to back these things up there's a reason why they've been handed down through generations because it works and it's interesting that all around the world it's actually quite similar yeah. So there's a reason for that. There must be if if the, if all these different cultures are are all consuming the same kind of foods postpartum. It must be because it's it's so beneficial. Yeah, yeah, they've realised that and they've passed it on. And it's not necessarily like you said that you have to have it written down anywhere or that it is backed by science or anything. Because I mean, who's funding research on this anyway? They're not. So we wouldn't have it even if even though we know it to be true no one's actually funding the research on it to have it written down in a scientific way but exactly we know that it's true because it works and it's been working and even like you say in this country we've in in our culture we've we've forgotten it but we would have done it i've just um been rereading um what's it called reclaiming childbirth as a rite of passage um by dr rachel reed and she even talks about it how in like the middle ages and stuff in our country we would have these things happening after birth we would have big groups of women that would come around and they would bring soups and stews and warming foods to heal the mothers and we've just yeah we've just forgotten (laughs) yeah it's something that we would have done many years ago because it makes sense that after birth a mother should rest and and replenish and recover and not be walking around and having a load of visitors in and yeah not trying to bounce back and stuff and I think it's hard because it is it is so normalized in this country and it's almost like you get it's like you get a reward if you're doing it like people are like wow look at you like I remember when um when I'd had my second and 
some of my family came around maybe like a week after and I had a pair of dungarees on that I could wear before pregnancy but they were baggy anyway like it wasn't like I'd Uh magically fit back into them and I remember someone being like wow you can fit back in your dungarees already and I was like well yeah they fit me when I was pregnant like it's not an achievement I'm just comfortable yeah yeah exactly yeah it's like that's the goal isn't it to get back to the pre-pregnancy weight whereas actually our bodies are completely different we're completely different we've completely shifted into a new way of being so trying to go backwards actually is is more harmful it's it's all it's all about embracing this new way of motherhood and there's a lot of talk about being as vulnerable as as your newborn Mm. because when we give birth we're in this very open kind of state so it's important to to really have that support, especially through food um, during that time of really transitioning into motherhood. So we need to support ourselves, have support from others so that we can really focus on supporting our newborn. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that as well, our culture doesn't really uphold as being important. They just think that I'll have the visitors and pass the baby round and that way you'll be able to get your rest and stuff like that. When actually what's sort of more beneficial is, yeah, looking after, looking after the mother, looking after the parents and them caring for the newborn because that's the best place for the newborn and for the mother to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's so often that we sort of visit. It's so it's exciting and, oh, a new baby and go. everyone wants to go round and visit us straight away and it's almost like a privilege for them to go and they sit down and they hold the baby and then and then the mother seems to be rushing around making tea yeah. for the other person <laughs> holding the baby. Yeah, definitely. It's really, And then when you think about it, yeah, that's so backwards. This person has just literally grown this baby for nine, ten months, pushed them out and is now <laughs> healing and recovering and trying to bond with their baby and feed their baby. They're not, yeah, they shouldn't be in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, um, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but it is starting to change. And I always remember, I've always felt really compelled to cook for new parents there was something naturally in me that just said right make them a chicken soup and leave it on the doorstep and leave it was like I think naturally perhaps a lot of us are like that um we want to provide food but then we've sort of gone into this way of buying presents for the baby that actually the baby doesn't want like you know I mean it's nice to buy teddy bears and things but you know, there's if only we, so many you need, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I know. They just sort of look, they look nice, but the baby doesn't really want no. a teddy. The baby wants a healthy, nourished, relaxed, supported parent. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's what they want. They don't need those things. And I think, like you say, it kind of is. It's like an innate knowing that you want to provide these things for the family and you know that if you drop off that soup, that is going to be so much more well-received than another pack of baby grows or another teddy. But it's just that you also don't want to look like you're being stingy because that's culture's <laughs> yeah. like, well, you brought around some soup. Like, what? Where's the gift? But it's like, that is the gift. That is the gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always, I'll never forget when um, somebody made me a chicken stew and that was the best gift I was given, just having that in the fridge and it just yeah. tasted so good during that time that I didn't have to 
do anything. It was just putting it in the microwave even and yeah. just sitting down. I was so, so grateful for that. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's an act of love, isn't it? Someone bringing you food. They've put thought into it. They're thinking about you. They've made you this food with the hands from scratch and they want you to have it because they want to make your life easier and they want you to be fed and they want you to be nourished. And that's so much more loving and caring than... And this is not, obviously, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I've only ever brought my friends teddy bears. (laughs) Like, that's fine because that is what we tell you to do in society. But actually, like, yeah. bringing around food is so loving and so caring. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I'm, I'm so grateful for the baby grows and the teddies. Yeah. But I was, I'm extra, extra grateful for that chicken stew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And so thinking about that, it kind of leads us on really nicely again into what sort of things should we be eating? So if people are listening to this and they are pregnant... What sort of things should they be planning to eat or planning to ask people for or chatting to their doulas with? What can be sort of the best sort of things? Obviously, we've spoken about warm foods, but mm-hmm. what would you recommend? Yeah, so obviously the first thing is always bone broth um, for me. Um, a lot of the time, new parents, new mothers have just given birth and they don't want to eat anything which is too um, sort of filling. So, you know, something like a porridge or something like that might be a bit of a turn-off. But just having some warm, salty, easy-to-drink bone broth, um, just something that they can sip, um, which has the sort of nutrients that will replenish the body. So um, it's a really easy way of getting all those nutrients into the body to help heal. If you don't eat meat, then you could go for mushroom broth. It's not not quite as good, but um, something, you know, something that's drinkable like that. So then also soups. Yeah. So soups and stews, something that can be eaten with just one hand, so the other hand, you're holding a baby and then you can just heat it up really easily. But because there's so much in there in the way of um, vitamins and minerals from vegetables and you can use bone broth to make the soups and stews, mm. then it's kind of like an all-round um, winner, really, just providing the body with so many so many nutrients. Um, and easy to consume um, sort of energy energy bites and things like that. Yeah. So I ha- I actually have produced a um, a food package. It's called the first few days, which is all about. Um, so it's you get bone broth, um, some golden milk in there. Um, so kachari um, and congee. So congee is um, is like a Chinese dish. And it is made using rice, which has been soaked already. Um, and so it's really easy to digest. So during pregnancy, all of our organs are pushed right up. Um, and I'll <clears throat> ask if all of our organs are then sort of finding their place again within the body. And our digestion is um, quite weak and we don't have all of the enzymes needed to digest food. So if it's warm and soft, 
So it's really easy for our bodies to digest so our bodies can work on healing rather than digesting food. Yeah, and kachari as well is made with lentils and rice and you can make that with with broth. Um, and it's just simmered for a really, really, really long time. So white rice, mung dal, um, and it's simmered for so long that it really doesn't take any energy at all to digest the food. And But then you're still getting all of the nutrients from the broth um, and spices and things. Um, so also we talked about warming food. So that includes spices, so like turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, anything that's going to keep the body warm. So unless you really, really fancy ice cream, try to go for the sort of warming um, vanilla custards and things like that. And these energy bites as well that you can just keep really close to you um, and just sort of pop one in your mouth when you need a bit of extra energy. And also hydration. So bone broth is really great for hydration. It contains electrolytes. So if you're breastfeeding, it's going to really help with keeping you hydrated. Yeah, I think as well, um, there's always so much emphasis on when you're breastfeeding, how much water you need to drink and that you need to constantly be drinking water. And I think sometimes, like, obviously that is a good thing. We do need to be really hydrated. But sometimes trying to have warmer drinks is a lot more beneficial than having ice cold water because that almost undoes all of the warmth that you're bringing into your body if you're then drinking litres of ice cold water. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's, it's much better to have, say, a herbal infusion. Yeah. So if you put some herbs um, into some water, warm water, and you can infuse it for quite a few hours, and then you can sip on that throughout the day, because that will only really get to room temperature, which yeah. is fine, or you can reheat it. I actually still don't like drinking cold water. I'd much rather drink herbal teas all day or sort of warm water something about that freezing cold water going straight into into your body it just yeah doesn't feel right to me even now I'm exactly the same and I didn't actually until I started looking into Ayurveda and I read about sort of not that it's bad for you to drink freezing cold water but that it's not ideal it's better to drink yeah room temperature or normal I used to devour freezing cold water because we have a water tap on the front of our fridge that keeps it super cold so I would constantly be drinking that and I drink so much of it and then now I can't I just can't do it I'm like ah it's too cold yeah me too <laughs> definitely it is so yeah with the um the bone broth um it's really great to consume animal products if possible um because they're really great for healing tissue any sort of um if you have a, a c-section or a, a tear or something like that because they contain the collagen and the protein and the amino acids that's going to help your body to rebuild all of those tissues and yeah not really the sort of cold crunchy vegetables it, yeah. it always have the vegetables heated and in a soup so you can heat you know you can cook spinach um carrots, anything like that, and give it a whiz and liqui liquefy all of the vegetables, have them warm, and just drink them, really. You could just drink soup yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well there's something, isn't there, that's like when, you're breast when you are breastfeeding, people say, yeah, you need to drink so much water and also that you need to consume extra calories and you should be eating more. And there's always so much emphasis on, oh, just eat biscuits all the time. 
just constantly yeah. eat biscuits and obviously if you want to eat some biscuits eat some biscuits it's not the end of the yeah. world like that's fine yeah. eat some biscuits but we possibly like we should be educating people on the way there's other things that we can eat besides biscuits like these energy bites and stuff because obviously sometimes you do just need a quick snack sometimes you've only got one hand you're absolutely knackered you just need a quick snack but it's not always going to be it's not the most nutritious it's not the most filling it's mm. not going to make you feel good if you're just eating biscuits all the time basically no no exactly and yeah I, I like to think about eating intuitively yeah so really tuning into the body and thinking what is it that my body wants right now and if it is a big bar of chocolate then yeah sort of go for it but quite often it's more likely to be nutrient dense foods sort of like you know like um the energy bites made with dates uh sort of like satisfy that sweet craving yeah that we get especially when we're breastfeeding and from being tired as well we quite often want to eat sweet things to sort of give us the energy yeah, I think I definitely yeah. felt like that when I was breastfeeding. And the first time around, I, did, I ate so many biscuits because I just didn't know <laughs> what to eat because I just felt like I did want a sugar rush all the time because I was knackered and I was feeding all the time. And everyone was just saying, oh, just, oh, just eat all the biscuits. And I just, that was like all that I ate. And then afterwards, when I started to like learn more about nutrition and started training as a doula and stuff, I realised actually I would have felt a lot better if I didn't eat that way I, I realized and yeah. the second time I did put a lot more effort into thinking about the way that I was eating afterwards and preparing food and stuff like that and then um, it made a massive difference to how I felt and how like how easily I recovered after the birth I put a lot of it down to the, the way that I ate afterwards yeah yeah I think it can make a, a huge difference to not just rebuilding our body but also um, our mental health as well Mm, yeah I was just about to say that as well so the second so the first time around I had um personal anxiety and I recovered through CBT and then the second time around I think the impact of the lockdowns and things like that and and my mental health was actually a lot worse and I suffered from postnatal depression and anxiety and panic disorder and I through that learned so much more about nutrition and I had CBT again but actually I think the thing that helped the most was completely changing the way that I ate and eating more in tune with like my gut health and my mental health and things like that and how it was all linked I think that alongside sort of nervous system work and stuff really completely transformed how I improved my mental health yeah yeah it can make a huge difference and also I don't think it's ever too late either um we can do this any any point um for me especially it's it's funny thinking about it because I have a, this background in food science and nutrition, but I didn't think about it. It just didn't occur to me. I was so focused on the birth and especially going through all of the scans and everything. That's that totally consumed me. I didn't even think about what would I eat afterwards and how could that contribute to making my postpartum easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? I do. It's not. There's hardly ever any focus on postpartum. We we focus a lot on birth preparation, which is great because we didn't even used to focus on that. It doesn't feel like, but it feels like there's a lot more awareness now about preparing for your birth, which is great, super important. But actually, like when we're thinking about postpartum, a lot of the time we're thinking about 
what do we need? What should we buy for our baby? What, like, how do we change a nappy? Like all of these sorts of things. And you might, you might, you might think about how you're going to feed them. You might do some breastfeeding preparation, but very rarely do we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, never. I don't think I, I considered myself at all <laughs> during the whole, <laughs> whole process. And it's so common that we're sort of really focused on the birth. And like you say, that is so, so important. Um, but as is the postnatal period, it's um, it's that that time of recovering from not just the birth, but from pregnancy too. Yeah, definitely, and it's going through that through that transition as well. Like you said, it's like meeting yourself again because you are a completely different person after you've given birth, and you've got to settle into like a new role and who you are now. And it's that sort of meeting yourself as well as meeting your baby. While, yeah, going through crazy hormones settling down and your body recovering and learning to breastfeed and all of these things that, of course, we're going to need some help (laughs) and we're going to need, like, anything that's going to make it easier and going to make us feel better. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, yeah, food is such such an important way to do that. And that kind of, yeah, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was how people can sort of make this easier because I mean especially if people are listening to this and thinking oh I've never considered this I've never eaten in this way I don't even know where to start what what can people be doing to look up this food and to to sort of yeah get it ready get prepared yeah I think um batch cooking is a really great idea yeah. um there's some really great books out there obviously the first 40 days is like my Bible. Yes, yeah. so. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll link that in the show notes because it is unbelievably yeah. important. That book. It's yeah, it is, and I realised actually that I've never really read the book. I just have focused completely on the recipes in there. Just um, there's some really great recipes. Yeah. Just learning how to make the broth. So the simple sort of the mushroom or bone broth, um, and then freezing loads of it. And then soups freeze really well. So you can use the broth to make loads of different soups and put those all into the freezer. And you don't really have to be a really great cook at all because the things like the kichari and the congee, if you just get a huge bucket of rice um, and put it in the fridge, then you've always got it there. It's always You've always got soaked rice ready to put into a pan, add some broth and simmer for, you know, 45 minutes, whatever, like, you know, and then, um, yeah, so that's sort of something you can do to prepare to then make those really easy dishes. Um, and other ways are obviously to rally your your village. Yeah. So ask some people beforehand, are you able to cook me some some different foods and tell them what kind of things would be really beneficial and often people will jump at the chance to be able to to cook and drop some food around and then you can have your boundaries if it's just you want it to be dropped at the door have a couple of weeks just in your little cocoon um, as a family before you welcome them in and have a really strong boundary with that Um, as much as people will want to see you and the baby it's you know the food is to be left at the door and another really great thing is um, a meal train. So um, it's sort of relatively unknown, I think, um, at the moment, 
in this country but yeah meal trains are where you just get a group of people together and it's quite nice to do this for somebody else if you know somebody who's pregnant you get a group of people together um and they all have a meal that they're going to prepare and cook and you can even have a little spreadsheet if you know depending on how organized you are and then you just each person cooks their meal and drops it at the door with say a couple of days in between so that there's a constant flow of um, these nourishing dishes being dropped at the door. Mm, I love that. I wish that I would have done that for mine because I also think as well that something that's good about those sorts of things like the meal trains or having your, even if it's just like your family dropping things by, is that you set that boundary and you say, I'm not ready to have you in yet, but it still makes them feel involved. You're not just cutting them out. You're not saying, which is completely fine. If you want to just cut them out, cut them out. It's it's your time. But you, you're saying you're giving them something to do, which I think a lot of families like because they are desperate to see you and they want to look after you. So if you can say to them, look, I'm going to just literally cocoon for a week, two weeks, but I would really appreciate if you could drop by and drop us some food, then they still feel involved and they still feel like they're helping you out. And then it kind of, it eases that tension almost. Yeah, exactly. If people know exactly what it is that you want from them, and this is a time in your life when you can have those boundaries and you can tell people exactly what you want them to do, I think, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And they must listen. So, yeah, and then, like you say, they still feel like they're involved. Um, yeah, that's, that's really true. Yeah, definitely. And, and, yeah, I agree. It's, like, it's got to be the, the most heightened time in your life where you can just tell people whatever you want them to do, whatever you want, mm. and they have to listen to you because you, you're bringing life into the world. Like Yes, <laughs> exactly. And you never get this that time back, ever, yeah. you know. You get, so do exactly what you want to do. Yeah, 100%. I think especially even more so if it's your first baby because you even with your second and stuff, you never get to do it again. It's always completely different. But especially with your first when you don't have anyone else to attend to, no other children or anything, and it's just you and your baby, you will never have that time again. So you, if you want to do something, you do it. And if you have to put down firm boundaries or anything like that, that's fine if that's going to protect your headspace and your personal space and your physical space. Yeah, yeah, it's about sort of carefully choosing your village. So having people around that you know are going to respect your decisions, what you decide to do, that are not going to judge you for whatever you decide to do with your new baby. Um, And will just be there to make you feel better so that you can be relaxed. Because if you're relaxed, you're going to be able to nurture your baby so much easier so having someone around who can maybe just give your house a little hoover because for me I know that that was quite a thing for me if my house was a little bit more tidy I I felt a little bit better in myself but I I didn't want to be doing that we don't want mothers new mothers to be doing that we want other people to do that to be in the kitchen cooking something so that you can just sit on the sofa and connect and bond and breastfeed um, and rest. It's just so important to rest because it's like the, they have the saying, it's an Ayurvedic saying, 42 days impacts the next 42 years. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely resting is so important. And it's so easy to burn yourself out as well. Like if you're trying to do all of the things while also, yeah, adjusting to the complete huge 
massive transition that you've just been through you, you can't do all of the things that you did before and just having someone to come around or multiple people to come and do those things is so important and I think that's also that's like testament to personal doulas isn't it because that's what we do we go in and we just we, we force people to rest <laughs> you're like you don't have a choice you will rest while I am in your house and I will cook you food and I will clean up and you will sit down <laughs> it's amazing how many of us fight it fight yeah. that that rest it's like because we grew up in this culture of always doing always producing and then to actually stop and be okay with that can be really really hard for some people mm. yeah I have seen it I've been to clients houses where they are so tired they've had no sleep all they need is to rest. And I go in and I'm like, come on, I'll put your baby in the sling. I'll make you some food, go lay down. And I've literally had people say to me, oh, well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to go and sort out my wardrobe. And I'm like, no, no, you are not. You are not sorting out your wardrobe. That is not an important job. Go and lay down. And then eventually they'll go, oh, okay, yeah, I could do with the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. How wonderful, though, to have you coming in and just saying, no. Yeah. You're, you've got to rest because it's so important and if we have to be told off then <laughs> yeah yeah I'm like I will do it I don't care you might hate me now but you'll be happy when you wake up <laughs> yeah no exactly it's um it's so so important yeah definitely right well I, I'll let you go now because we've been talking I've just realized what time it is it's flown by we've been talking for nearly 50 minutes oh wow <laughs> feels like about 10 but thank you so 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 much but before you do go before I let you go can you tell us um a little bit more about where we can find out about your services anything you have coming up and about because I know that even though you are based in Suffolk you do now um send out food as well don't you so you can tell us a bit uh, about that yeah it's so exciting <laughs> um that I'm able to send out so I've created um some peanut butter bites which are really great for um postpartum so they're like a little energy bite they're they're made with um dates and um, chia seeds and oats and things on the base and then there's a layer of peanut butter and then i make my own um chocolate that goes on top with cacao butter and um cacao organic cacao powder and i can add medicinal mushrooms in there um and other adaptogens um and they can be posted. So, um, yeah, that's that. And you can find me at the Suffolk Doula on Instagram. And I also have a website, the Suffolk Doula. And if anyone is in Suffolk, I'm going to be at the Cross Keys in Henley on the 11th of May. We've got a little um, a day for for pregnant people um, and new mums where there'll be doulas there and people talking about um, birth and um, having a supportive postpartum. Ooh, that sounds yeah, great. And, <laughs> yeah, and in Felix, so I do um, deliver food packages. So, um, yeah, anyone in Suffolk or sort of Felixstowe area, if you are pregnant or know someone who is it's a really great gift to um have my healing food delivered straight to their door yeah oh 100 percent. and like I say if you was in Leeds you just I'd still be getting personal doula packages now two years on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I do have some people like that actually um and actually the food is really great for any kind of transition in life so um perhaps 
um stopping breastfeeding that's yeah. like a huge transition I've just been through that myself and it was it's so huge with the hormones rushing around and yeah. the and this sort of depressive feeling um so having something to support you through that or after an operation or if you're just feeling a bit a bit down really just to cheer you up yeah a hundred percent. And yeah, I'll, I'll leave the links to all of those things in the show notes. So if every, anybody does want to find out more, I'll pop them all down there. Okay, lovely. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on. I've, I've really loved chatting thank with you. you. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. So that concludes our chat about utilising food for healing, for nourishment, for care and for love during the postpartum period. If you've listened to this as somebody who is currently pregnant, then I hope it's given you some wonderful ideas of things to prepare and plan for. I hope you feel excited to meet your baby and to settle into life with them now, hopefully feeling confident to put up boundaries and accept the love that people are so ready to give you. And if you've listened to this as a birth worker or somebody who is preparing to care for a new parent, then I hope you feel full of ideas and excited to spread some joy through food. A huge, huge thank you to Alice again for coming onto the podcast and sharing her time and her wisdom. If you have any more questions, then come hang out on Instagram where I'm at the Dungaree Doula and Alice is at the Suffolk Doula and do let us know if you enjoyed the episode. And remember to check the show notes too for all the links. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please stick around, like, follow and subscribe. Or if you've got the time, leave a little review. It's so very helpful for getting my podcast out there in front of new people. Speak soon. See you next week. Bye. Thank you.